Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my English Bulldog Rodney is beside me as usual. As many fans know, we talk a lot of professional wrestling on the podcast, and today we have a very special episode remembering and honoring one of the most amazing wrestlers in the history of professional wrestling and one of my personal favorites, Wrestling Hall of Famer and former fabulous Freebird, the late, great Terry Bam Bam Gordy. You know, while many people are going to remember Terry Gordy as the powerhouse enforcer of the legendary 1980s tag team, the Fabulous Freebirds, with Michael P.S. Hayes and Buddy Roberts, and then later with Jimmy Garvin, that won numerous titles in the United States and federations like World Class, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Mid-South, and WCW, Terry also had an amazing singles career as the first heavyweight champion in Bill Watts' UWF promotion following the growth of the former Mid-South territory to a national scale. And he was also one of the most prolific American wrestlers in Japan, whether as a singles competitor or as a part of dominant tag teams with legends like Stan Hansen and Dr. Death Steve Williams. In Japan, Terry won the All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown two times and the World Tag Team Championship seven times. And he won numerous titles in both the United States and Japan during his career of over 24 years. So, standing at six foot four and close to 300 pounds, Gordy was known and remains known as one of the toughest and most talented big men to ever grace the squared circle, who helped revolutionize the expectations of what big men could do in the ring. Terry's accomplishments have been recognized since his untimely passing in 2001 with his induction into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame in 2005, the Texas Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2014, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2015, and the WWE Hall of Fame in 2016, and we're honored to be discussing his amazing career and legacy today. Joining me today is my faithful wrestling sidekick, Scott Tudor. Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Ben, good morning. Thank you again for having me. And also joining us today, and is which truly makes this episode a living the dream moment for us, is our very special guest, Miranda Gordy, who's Terry's daughter and the current women's champion in the new and exciting SWE Fury wrestling promotion based out of Texas. Known as the Bad Street Beauty, Miranda is the latest Gordy family member to enter and succeed in the world of professional wrestling, following her dad Terry and also her brother Ray, who worked in WWE in the early 2000s as Jesse. Miranda is the current SWE women's champion, after only a few years in the business, and she's also been competing around the United States and Japan. So today we're going to talk with Miranda about not only her amazing career, but also the legacy of her dad, Terry, and just get an insight of what it's like to be a real professional wrestler. You can follow Miranda on Instagram at, at Miranda.Gordy, and you can also follow SWE Fury online at www.swefury.com. And as well on Instagram at SWEFuryTV, and as well as Fight TV. So please welcome our special guest, SWE Women's Champion Miranda Gordy, to Live in the Dream. Miranda, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you on. You know, obviously we're huge fans of Terry Gordy, but we're also excited about uh, how your career is developing of being the Women's Champion, and it's really cool to kind of get. Uh, uh, a behind-the-curtain uh, scene of what it's like to be a real professional wrestler. So before we get into remembering your dad's amazing career, tell us about what it's like to have Terry Bam Bam Gordy as your dad and what he was like outside the ring. 
Um, <laughs> well, I get uh, asked this a lot. Um, usually I just say he was my dad, you know, like a dad, like he came to my sporting event and, you know, I remember riding roller coasters and uh, he taught me how to ride a bike without training wheels and, um, you know, all, all the dad stuff. So outside of wrestling, you know, it's, um, I did him this huge like superstar wrestling. He was just my dad. Uh, you know, we we just did dad stuff. So I, I didn't see him like that. <laughs> yeah, I saw on Instagram. Um, which, by the way, you guys definitely follow Miranda on Instagram because she has a lot of really good posts about not only her wrestling career but some older photos with with Terry. And you know, it'd be stuff like just vacations in Florida or, like you said, going to Disney World or whatever, which is from a wrestling fan's perspective, really cool to see. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to talk about the photos. Uh, No, go ahead. Like, you know, they sit in storage and no one ever sees that stuff. And, uh, you know, I hate that they're just there sitting in boxes. So I figured, uh, you know, on Fridays, I saw something sometime uh, uh, about Freebird Fridays. And so I just turned like Fridays into the time that I – share pictures of, you know, stuff that used to be kayfabe and, um, you know, my dad with other wrestlers or like funny uh, home pictures or pictures of my mom and um, my mom and dad. Cause you know, otherwise people would just share that no problem, but you know, my dad's seen it in a different light. So I think it's cool to, to share it, share this stuff and let other people enjoy all the pictures that I, I get to enjoy. Yeah. No, I enjoy seeing them too. I mean, I just think, um, it's a really cool thing to kind of see what wrestlers were, back in the day outside of the ring because like you said with kayfabe you know kayfabe was a big deal back in the 80s and 90s it's not so much today so i think it's kind of cool that you know these wrestlers that have the busy travel schedules and stuff that they still they have the life as the the dad and the husband it's awesome as a fan to actually somebody who was a fan back then when kayfabe was so strong to actually be able to identify with those guys now you know as regular people you can you can really see them as as a regular guy and like you said a regular dad so miranda so what inspired you to get into the wrestling business and how um has your dad and even the career your brother ray influenced your career and style uh well i decided um obviously i'm getting into wrestling a little late i i just turned 31 and i've been doing i've been having matches for a little over a year now so uh, in the wrestling world, that's getting into it a little late, a little as I'm a little older in the wrestling world. But um, it was just always there. I never really thought as a kid, I liked wrestling and I like watching my dad. And I thought it was cool because we had the Attitude Era and I love China, but I never really thought about pursuing it. Um, I guess just because my dad was there and, and then my brother had his wrestling career and I'm like, meh. You know, I like animals. I like, you know, so so I either want to do something with animals or help people. And uh, so I just it's just never really occurred. And I one day I just kind of woke up and I, I had a, a promoter that kept bothering me, not bothering me, but reaching out and be like, hey, I have the Von Eric boys. They're coming to a show. Why don't you just come hang out with them? And I'm like, okay, I you know I'd like to meet those guys. They seem like they're doing well, and I had so much fun. And there was so many people that wanted to like wanted me to be a part of the show, and I just kind of liked it. Like I fell in love with it instantly, and uh, you know I was like, okay, I think I want to train and do this now. So and I stuck with it, and I've been super successful in just like a year's time. 
And, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm trying to make a career out of it. So that's that's kind of the backstory of that. Nothing uh, spectacular, like it was a lifelong dream or anything. Um, but uh, as far as um, my dad's influence, that he's the biggest influence, really. Um, when I train and and learn new stuff or learn, you know, my techniques and stuff, that's he's who I try to emulate. Like, uh, luckily, I can do that in the wrestling world. I am a bigger girl. I'm taller. The most of the girls, I also am I'm just wider, like I'm built bigger. So I can uh, portray the big man style like my dad did because he was bigger than a lot of guys. So I uh, am lucky in, in that sense. I get to be kind of the powerhouse of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as my brother, uh, my brother and my uncle Michael, Michael Hayes, uh, definitely help me all they can. So if I, you know, have any real big wrestling questions, I can call them. Um, before the whole pandemic mess, I was actually supposed to go stay with Ray. Um, I'm hoping to get that, get to do that in the like a couple weeks, go stay with him. Uh, maybe do some like uh, promo stuff. Cause I certainly need help with that. Um, uh, you know, and it just, just learning stuff. I keep trying to talk him into uh, getting in the ring with me. And um, you know, Michael thinks that would be a good idea too. Like just, you know, one-on-one brother, sister training. Yeah. Like I think, uh, you know, and if we film that or take a bunch of pictures or whatever, like I think people would love that. Absolutely. People are, they, they always ask me about Ray cause he kind of, you know, he, he just totally dropped out of wrestling and they, they loved him. People love Jesse and Vestas, you know, and, uh, they tell me that all the time. So I keep trying to put a bug in his ear to make him do something, you know, stick with it. Cause it's so, our family's like wrestling rich, you know, we, we also have a cousin, uh, Richard Aislinger that, uh, was one of the first Americans to fully train and graduate from the all Japan dojo. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and then, uh, we have a great uncle is the one who helped train my dad. So we have wrestling in our blood. And, and so I, I think that, uh, maybe I can talk him into coming back and doing something. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a pretty amazing story. And, uh, on your, um, uh, your uncle Richard, I think he went into Japan because of Terry's, uh, long career there, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. My dad, uh, sent him over there for a graduation present. He said, you know, my, my cousin Richard, he, uh, wanted to train. And so as a high school graduation present, my dad sent him over there to train in the dojo and he, he graduated, like he made it. So, uh, he, he wrestled over there against a bunch of big names, you know, uh, Masawa and, uh, Kenta and all that. And you can see a lot of his matches on YouTube and, uh, he he did mostly stuff over there, so he wasn't as big over here. But people over there certainly remember him. Uh, when I went over there, they still asked, and uh, I they even sent me home with stuff. They're like, "Oh, give this to Richard," and, you know. And and so it's really cool. Like my family has a lot of history in Japan too. Yeah. That's so, awesome. I loved uh, Jesse and Festus's entrance music, "Biscuits and Gravy." <laughs> That's the <laughs> thing that sticks out to me. <laughs> Yeah, people sing that to me a lot. <laughs> I, I actually saw them at a couple of SmackDown shows in Nashville when they t- uh, came through here. So I always liked that that tag team. Nice. Yeah, people loved it. And so you know, uh, hey, this, things come to an end, you know. But uh, right. people still love that stuff. Uh, Luke or Drew, Drew's his real name. He was he's doing well, obviously. So. Right. 
you know, he stuck with it. He's doing well. Um, you know, hopefully I'll get to hang out with him. He also has a dojo. Maybe I'll get to go down there and uh, work with him a little bit. Oh, Luke Gallows does? Yeah. Yeah, because I know, I mean, of course, he and Anderson were in Japan for a really long time as well. Well, can you maybe go into more insight as to what the training is like to become a professional wrestler? Because, I mean, it's more than just the physical part. Like you mentioned, it's the promo work and character development. I mean, it's very complex. So um, can you maybe go into a little bit about the training? Oh, sure. Um I mean, it's, uh, it is obviously, it's very physical, um, cause you're mostly the, the biggest thing is being safe. Um, you know, learning how to do things in a safe way to, to totally break kayfabe. Um, but, to take care of each other in the ring because you, I mean, obviously you're protecting yourself, but you need to protect the other person as well. Um, and lots of cardio, uh, because, you know, uh, it's one thing if you can just run miles, 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 ring, car- ring cardio and being in ring shape is totally different because, you know, you're getting thrown to the ground or you're hitting ropes and it's stop and go, stop and go. So ring cardio is, is a big deal. Um, learning the footwork, learning instincts as to, you know, what to do at certain times in a match. Uh, and then and then you go to the not so physical side of promos which are important. They help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Obviously the biggest story is in the ring on the stage, but you have, you have those promos to like kind of be the glue that holds all the pieces together or tell you what's coming next, because you can't just always do that with, uh, you know, actions. You also have to speak. And like you were saying, uh, Michael's the best guy or like really the Freebirds all together. Like, you knew, you know, when they were telling their story on the promo, like, they're going to kick this person's butt because you can yeah. feel it. Like they were mad, you know, like, Oh man, this is real. This is totally real. They're going to kick this person's butt and like, you know, no shame in it. So, uh, and that's, that's a big thing. It kind of draws you in as far as the promos and then, uh, you know, little things like, um, just getting yourself out there is also work in itself starting from nothing i was i'm very blessed to be born into a wrestling family uh which i will absolutely tell anyone that's why i've been successful but uh a lot of people start from just nothing you know they're they went to training and they don't have a name and uh they're starting from the bottom and so getting yourself out there uh is a whole class in itself you know with social media it's a little easier but uh you don't know this guy from, from, you know, the next person. And so getting the opportunities is a big thing. Yeah. Uh, so all right. of that, you know, learning to, to make the best of all of that is, is what, uh, makes and, and character work. I forgot about that's a huge one too. Um, finding something that sets you apart is very hard to do sometimes uh it feels like everything's been done like you know uh everybody's been the the leather wearing spike wearing bad guy and then everybody's kind of been the rock and roller and uh, luckily we've had some you know uh over the top characters like we've had a undertaker you know right. <laughs> he was the you know the living dead guys um and uh so it's hard to find something that really, really sticks out. And so just perfecting what you decide to do and what your character is, is, is also a class in itself. Right. You know, because that's what draws the people in. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting you're talking about the training and stuff. I mean, there's so many, I guess, schools out there, but by having your connections with, you know, your brother and Michael Hayes and stuff, they can at least point you in the direction of people who are legit and not people who are, like, just not going to do a good job. I remember seeing <laughs> stories from The Undertaker where, like, he trained with Buzz Sawyer like back right. in the 80s and paid, like, several hundred dollars. Like, Buzz Sawyer just went out there and just beat the fire out of him and really didn't train much. <laughs> and stood him up. Yeah. So, I'm sure yeah, there are people out uh, there. Unfortunately, happens, Yeah. Um, I was very blessed. I have like the best trainer ever in my, he's also my friend. So that's why I'm a little biased, but, uh, I, um, he gave me some opportunities. He kind of took me under his wing. Uh, and I had more private sessions when I first started training. Um, just, just because he felt that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people and just like that happened to undertaker, a lot of people would take my name and try to run with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he's like, you know, I'm not in this for like anything else besides making sure that, you know, first off, you like it, which is why we, you know, I, I didn't want to pay a whole bunch of money just to not like it, you know. Right. And then uh, I, I was lucky enough. He let me do that. And I liked it. And just out of the kindness of his heart, he kept coming back and trying to train me. So uh and then uh, I also got the opportunity um, when Ember Moon got hurt, she, uh, while she was out, she took the time and uh, had a training class and uh, she took over for him at uh, his facility. And so I had the opportunity to train with her for a little bit. That's right. I forgot that she had a wrestling school. And I think Booker T has a wrestling school down in Texas as well. He, he does, for sure. Yeah. So Miranda, once we... Uh, learned a little bit about you and did some research. We discovered the company that you, you work for SWE Fury. And we noticed that there's a lot of names that are tied to that, like Teddy long and Tim storm. And of course, road warrior animal. Uh, can you talk about that and maybe talk about your rise to becoming the women's SWE Fury champion and, uh, how this promotion is growing? Yes. So it is. SWE is fairly new. I think they just hit, a year in in August really? uh, was when they had their first show um, a year ago. We, you know, we started off with uh, like Tim Storm and Jazz and Rodney Mack. Uh, I, you know, we've had a lot of names come through, like uh, the Bushwhacker Luke and Greg the Valentine Hammer, and uh, I'm trying to think of who else um, who we started off with. Uh, Tim Storm, obviously, who's like the best guy ever. <laughs> you know, like Tim Storm is so great. Um, anyways, and we've just grown from there. Like we've picked up TV. We're on Fight TV, uh, the Action Channel, Right Now TV, uh, Title Match Network. We just picked them up. So uh, we, we've we grown so much in a year. And we've been blessed to have bigger and bigger names want to join the team. And uh, right now, Teddy Long is a general manager. Um, he's on creative. He has helped us a lot just in the past couple months. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, Road Warrior Animal was helping us as well. And obviously, we just had uh, sad news with him passing. And he was like becoming mm-hmm. like our uncle at SWE. Um, but we've had him, he was on the team. Uh, we're starting to get, I think Kevin Sullivan is coming in. Oh, wow. He's uh, a great nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so we're just on the rise, and uh, you know, there's a lot of history with uh, James Beard. James Beard has been in this business as a like the Babe Ruth of refs, you know, uh, right for a long, long time. You know, he has refed all the with all the great people, all the big names um, for decades, and he is behind the scenes as well. And he is my good friend, and he's helping run it. Um, with some people that have been in the business for a long time and we're just growing and I, I've been lucky to be a part of it since day one. Um, and our roster is getting better with a lot of up and coming, uh, a lot of Texas talent and we're starting to kind of reach out and get talent from other places. So the shows just keep getting better and better. And as far as, uh, my championship, um, I won it from jazz jazz was the champ for a year. And, uh, I finally had the opportunity to, uh, face her. Um, it took a little bit of, uh, convincing, <laughs> but I finally, you know, got to step in the ring and I won. I, I beat her, uh, two weeks ago uh, was the episode. Um, I beat her with a short arm scissors. Well, congratulations. Jazz is a, a big name. I mean, she's been through WWE and several other promotions, so that's awesome. Congratulations on your victory. Yeah, thank you. And uh, unfortunately, Jazz has retired from in-ring stuff as far as having matches, and that was that was her last match. So I'm super honored to, you know, I've been her, her last match before she retires in-ring. So you really gave a her a beating then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So is Mark. the goal? Oh, sorry, Scott. One thing, uh, follow up with SWE Fury. Um, so is the goal of that promotion to stay mainly like regional, or is it to go more national with them having coverage on Fight TV? Um. Well, I think right now the since March we've obviously been limited. Well, right. With yeah. uh, right. you know be, being able to travel and having shows. Um, August was, uh, you know, the first show that we've had that was really big that had like a decent sized crowd. So, um, and unfortunately, uh, with new companies, companies that aren't established online and streaming services, uh, that's where you, you know, we're catering to those fans too. <laughs> um, mm. so having the crowds is important. We did one studio style show and it was okay. Um, you know, it, it put content out there for people. Um, I think at some point in the future, they will travel or at the very least, they'll kind of do like an NWA type of thing where there's territories. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there've been talks of that. So I think that at, at some point, um, at least the talent will travel. Uh, hopefully we can get the show to travel as well. I think that would be really, really awesome. I think uh, more and more people across the country are watching SWE. Um, and I know because they're tagging me. They're like, oh, I'm all the way in Pennsylvania and I'm watching it. And, mm -hmm. and which is so awesome. Um, so I think that once we get enough momentum, and it, it could be months from now, it could be a year from now. I don't know with all the pandemic going on. I think that, that they probably will try to travel. Yeah. Well, well the the timing of the of the pandemic was terrible for an up and coming company, and that goes across the board, not just in wrestling, but for everybody. Oh, so yeah. I I hate that for you guys. Yeah, I know. Oh, I, I thought 2020 was going to be my year. I started off in Japan, and I'm like, 
wow, 2020 is my year. <laughs> you know, I think we all, I think it started off with people and, uh, you know, this head and just uh, like back at square one kind of, you know. Right. So, so you mentioned uh, Road Warrior Animal uh, a few minutes ago. Can you talk about his influence on your career and maybe talk about some uh, old war stories he might have given you about him and your father over in Japan or, or old wars they went through together? Oh, um, so Joe, Joe's his real name, um, was like, like the coolest dude. Um, and he just started coming on to SWE back in, uh, during the summer. I know everything was still kind of locked down. I think it like through July, um, and he started coming on, and him and Teddy came on at the same time, and uh, they were helping. He was mostly helping backstage and uh, just giving advice to people. Like, he would absolutely watch the matches and give uh, advice, like, oh, you know, you can work on this. And, um, and this is a new thing. He was even giving advice to the girls, and him somewhat being an old-timer, uh, you know, girl wrestling is seen a little bit different than guys. And so right. I thought it was really cool that he would take the time to even tell the girls like, Hey, do this, you know, you can do this and, and treated us just like one of the guys, which I thought was really, really cool for him because that's not a common thing. I mean, it's coming up with the women's evolution. Women are being seen more as athletes than just, you know, like TNA or like the gimmick match or whatever. Right. Um, so I I, re I really really like that is what kind of like I knew he was cool but like he's really really cool um, and he did it with no ego like, like he wasn't rude about it like he just like genuinely cared about the wrestler like the workers and the the show so and wrestling in general um, so and he, and with everything uh, after he passed with everything that I saw on social media like the guy was just everywhere. So, like, he obviously touched a lot of people, and he's historic. He's like a, a pop culture icon with the spike. Both him and Hawk, you know, like, everybody knows the Road Warriors because Absolutely. of the, the spike shoulder pads. So uh, we, we lost something really special because he was a down-to-earth, like, really great guy. So, um, uh, anyways, <laughs> talking about him, as far as, as – uh, my career, um, you know, uh, we, we were just getting close. Uh, you know, him and his wife had become good friends. And uh, him giving me advice, I think, uh, for the shows and stuff, something that I'll never forget. We actually did uh, a TV taping up here at uh, my boyfriend's winery for SWE. That was one of the studio-style shows. Um, and we came into my bedroom, and he was talking to me and the my other opponent, and he looked at me and he's like, girl, you are a Gordy. Lay it in. <laughs> and I right. like, right. okay, okay, that's fine. I'll do that. So, I mean, in his memory, um, my opponents are so screwed. <laughs> I'll start laying it in, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing, just his advice and, uh, you know, seeing – what a good person he was and how much he loved the business. And it, it did affect everybody. Like he, he touched everybody at SWE because he just took the time to, to give them advice with, with nothing in return. You know, he just really genuinely loved it. Um, as far as 
stories with him and my dad. Um, just a lot of Japan stories. Like he, <laughs> he told me uh, some personal stuff. I don't know if I'm going to talk about it here. There's a lot of drinking and fighting. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, as as far as that, um, that that's really. He just told me about some funny Japan times because they did. They spent a lot of time together. Over sure. There. Yeah, because when those guys went over for a tour, I guess they started going over there like in the mid '80s. Because I I saw photos and maybe you posted it, Miranda, but it's like with Terry and Hawk and Animal and Ric Flair, and I guess the NWA would send guys over for tours. I know the Von Erichs went over there for a while and it's like when you're the the only americans together over there with in a country where you don't speak the language and whatever you kind of band together as brothers oh sure yeah i mean i mean they were all on tour together so you know they went from one city to another on the same bus i have a i want to say that was 85 it was when that picture mm. was taken uh, of him and rick flair uh, Hawk and uh, Paul Ellering, Paul Ellering and, yep. um, Joe. Yeah, uh, I have a whole album and like Dory Funk's in there, uh, a couple of the Japanese wrestlers. And they, uh, I guess my dad went crazy and like took pictures of the guys in the dressing room. Um, obviously, <laughs> I'm not going to post that. <laughs> uh, and like uh, just, you know, them hanging out at the bars or uh, on the buses traveling from city to city. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Good memory. So I saw where you were uh, involved in Jerry the King Lawler's 50 years in wrestling over in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and you competed against uh, Thunder Rosa. She's the current NWA World's Champion, and she's been getting a lot of TV time on AEW. So how was that experience? And uh, tell us about the event, because I heard it was awesome. I'm sad I missed it. Oh, yeah. So Thunder Rosa is like the queen of the wrestling world right now in my eyes. Um, she's just, she's doing so good and I love her and I've loved her since I started. Um, so, uh, being able to compete with her is just such an honor. Um, and we had a great match. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people were calling it match of the night. Obviously wow. we don't hold awesome. a candle to any of the legends, but, uh, for a women's match on such a card for people to say that, uh, is a big deal. I think. You know, uh, absolutely. Rock and Roll Express uh, with Jerry Lawler uh, against Wildfire, Tommy Rich, Matt Riviera, and uh, oh, I can't, I can't think of the other person they had. Um, that was the main event. Mm -hmm. So you know, being being able to be on a card with them and Tom Pritchard, uh, Kane was there. Kim oh, really? Rock was there? Of course, he's a mayor uh, of Knoxville too, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, Lex Luger was there, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Rick Steiner, I mean Scott Steiner, I'm sorry. Um, Jimmy Hart was there, wasn't he? Who? Jimmy Hart. Yeah, Jimmy Hart. Oh, yes, I spent like five days with Jimmy Hart. How can I forget? <laughs> um, yeah, Dory Funk was there. Um, oh my God, just so many people. Teddy Long was there. Uh you know, Animal was supposed to be there. They had a nice little setup for him. So, uh, and Jim yeah, Ross so, was there, so many days. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. I'm I think just Jim Ross think, was there. But did yeah, you? good old JR. JR, yeah, Jim Ross was there. And, uh, yeah, see, there, there was so many people. So I was like, I was just excited to be there. Absolutely. And so having a match with Thunder Rosa, like that, 
it was such an experience for me. Like, I'll never forget that. That's like a big highlight in my wrestling career so far. So just to be on that card and then have such a big match and have it do well, like that. Wow. For me. Yeah. Well, kind of expanding on women's wrestling, because, you know, since the days that your dad wrestled, and you mentioned it earlier, women's wrestling has changed tremendously and for the better. I mean, you, some of your top wrestlers in the world now are, are women. So talk about the growth of the women's division that you've seen. And also, who are some of the women wrestlers that you'd like to step in the ring with? Oh, okay. So women, since even since I was a little girl, like the women have been on the rise as of lately, and I love it. And I think I got into wrestling at such a good time with the women's evolution and like the women's division on WWE, which really does set the standard for most places. Uh, It's like, it's even with the men's like, you know, in the attitude era, you had like the Sables and the Trish Strata, like the really pretty people. They were fun to look at. They weren't so much seen as like athletes, even though they were, and they worked hard. Um, they just weren't seen on the same level as the men. And now I think women are being seen in that light and they're, they're just totally dominating, taking over. And I love it. Um, so, so they're being treated as athletes, not just mm-hmm. like, uh, something to put on a poster, I guess. Um, right. and what else did you add? I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I was asking about, um, who are some of the wrestlers that have kind of women wrestlers who've kind of influenced you and who would you like to step in the ring with? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, my biggest influence, and I always say this, uh, China, I loved her so much as a kid. Um, she just like, I remember watching her in the attitude era and I thought she could just beat anybody up boy or girl. Like she just was like a beast. And so I loved her as a kid. Um, nowadays, uh, I think, so people, oh my gosh, there's so many, so many women that I'd love to get in the ring with. Obviously, Charlotte Flair, I think people would love that. You know, uh, two second generations, Charlotte just totally dominates the the women's division. Um, so that would be like uh, top of the world moment. Um, you know, Thunder Rosa, I love her. I've had that. I would totally get in the ring with her again, like anytime. Um, a lot of people have requested like me and Tessa Blanchard. Like I'd totally take her on. Uh, she's another second gen. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, That'd be so a good one. People would like that. Yeah. Uh, that's just to name a few. Uh, I have a lot of women that I look up to. Uh, I got to wrestle Jordan Grace. She's someone that I keep up with. Um, I got to wrestle her not too long ago. Um, she's real ba- big and like impact in the, the wrestling world. Uh Really, I'm I'm grateful for for anybody that I get to step in the ring with. All the up and comers could be like a huge star one day, so I just respect all of it. Well, of course, one that I would have loved to have seen, but uh, unfortunately, she suffered injuries. Would have been you versus Lacey Von Eric. I think that would have been huge for all the old school fans. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like that's I, I get asked that all the time. They're like, "Oh, what about you and Lacey?" And I'm like, "If Lacey." did not retire i think that we could sell out an arena like i think that we could absolutely like get uh and michael's even brought it up i i doubt it would ever happen but you know uh in my corner have michael ray buddy jr myself 
And then, uh, you know, in the other corner have uh, Kevin Von Erich and his two boys, Ross and Marshall and Lacey. And I think that would just be like, you know, a a main event, you know, like the event. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. So talk about the bond, kind of like, well, just the connection with the second generation and even third generation wrestlers now. Because if you just look at the, the rosters of a lot of these companies now, I mean, it's a lot of people who their parents were involved in wrestling or their grandparents. I mean, we mentioned Charlotte Flair, but you got Roman Reigns and the Usos uh, coming from the Wild Samoan lineage. You got, obviously, Cody Rhodes, Bray Wyatt, Natalia Neidhart. Um, we mentioned the Von Erichs, Brian Pillman Jr., and, and Tessa Blanchard. Um, is there, like, a, a connection with the second gens or, is like, a vibe going on there? Did y'all kind of feed off I... each other? Uh, well, for the, the ones that I have been able to meet, like, obviously we totally understand some more than others, like me and Brian Puma Jr. totally clicked, like, cause we get it, you know, we were in the same situation. Uh, both our, our fathers passed, we were young and, you know, we're just out there like trying to make our name, you know, a name for ourselves and also honor our lineage, you know, the legacy, um, I've met uh, Sean Studd's son, who I think also goes by Sean Studd. Um, who else have I met? Uh, everyone that I meet, like, I, I have to take a picture because I'm just totally about it. Like, I, I'm all about the second gen, just carrying on. And, like, we kind of get each other. I haven't really met one that, that wasn't about it, you yeah. know. So, uh, hopefully, I'll get to to do more stuff with them. I really like Because I'm always looking junior. forward to it. He's been on AEW Dark a few times and even on the main AEW. But, I mean, he has a great look. I mean, he looks just like his dad, Brian Pillman. I mean, I really like him, and I, I wish AEW give him a push because, to me, he has everything you'd want as a wrestler as far even going back to the 80s. I mean, he has the look. He has the physique. He can talk. He has the hair. I mean, I just think he's fantastic. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's – He's going to do something big. Like, he's still fairly new into the business, like a few years only. And he, yeah, he's got a great look and he's he's super passionate. And he's just an all around good dude, like, just chill, down to earth guy. And so I, I, he's going to do something big. So, transitioning from one good dude to another, let's reflect on the career and legacy of your dad, Terry Bam Bam Gordy. You know, one thing that a lot of people may not realize about Terry is he started wrestling professionally at 13 or 14 years old. And, I mean, he was a top wrestler in a lot of the territories like in Tennessee and uh, Mississippi before he formed the Freebirds with Michael Hayes in 1980. What made Terry Gordy such a special wrestler in your mind? Oh, (laughs) I'm like the worst person to ask because I'm so biased. Um, No, I... I, uh... He was just born for wrestling, mm-hmm. I think. He got into it so young uh, because he was he was like a grown man at 14. He was literally six foot four, uh, you know, 200-something pounds at 14 years old. So, you know, he just started off young and uh, just grew up with it. Like, that was his whole life. And so, you know, his passion for it and starting so young, I think that he was just born for it. Like, that that's all he ever did. So I think, you know, that that would be like the biggest to sum it all up. That's what it what it is, is he just, that that's what he was made for. Yeah. 
Scott, what you know, you- and uh, that that's all I ever did for thirty years, thirty something years or whatever. Um, or I guess it would be twenty. If he started at fourteen, he would be like twenty something years. Yeah. Uh, sorry, my math is all wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. Just his his passion for it, and uh, with the Freebirds, they they revolutionize a lot of stuff, and there are a lot of wrestling history and uh, a lot of first first time things came from them yeah. that which is what put them you know as some of the the greatest of all time well I, I think so I mean to me I think the thing that made Terry Gordy stand out is he was one of the first big guys who could really move like a small guy because I mean he could do yeah. drop kicks I mean I loved his move where he does the, he slings him into the turnbuckle and he runs right in and does the clothesline where there's I mean no room for the opponent to move at all but I mean, he could wrestle technically. He could brawl. Um, you watch some of those early interviews, even before the Freebirds on Georgia Championship Wrestling. I mean, he was a great interview, and I thought he was just overall just a well-rounded wrestler that was like perfect for that era of the '80s. And then when he and Michael got together, I mean, that's that's just magic right there. When you have, you know, the big strong guy with Gordy who can talk, but then you got Michael with his look and. Uh, my mom was a huge fan of Michael Hayes. That's how we got started watching Georgia Championship Wrestling. <laughs> but, I mean, he could talk, and it was just – it was magic. So, Scott, what's your input on that? So, Miranda hit the nail on the head, and you're not – Miranda, you're not being biased at all because I've heard other wrestlers and people involved with the business say it exactly like you said it. He was born for it. He was just a natural professional wrestler that's – it, it's like he was made to do that, and I agree with that 100% going all the way back to the early 80s when I became a fan uh, just watching him. I mean, I can't imagine the guy doing anything but professional wrestling as it was like he was made to do that. Uh, you know, his his interviews were emotional. He actually showed real emotion, which you guys touched on uh, a few segments back, and I mean, <laughs> he was believable. He made you believe that he wanted to kill somebody when he was mad at him and just watching him move in the ring, like Ben just said, he was one of the first big guys that was really agile and athletic and could do moves that guys that weighed almost a hundred pounds less than him were doing. So he was definitely a phenomenon at the time he came through the the world of wrestling. I think one thing too, that I, whenever we hear a lot of the interviews and people talk about Terry Gordy, obviously, and even on the, the social media groups we're on, I mean, one of the toughest wrestlers around. It's like they'll always have a debate. All right, if you're in a barroom fight or if you're in a, um, a back alley and you need protection, who do you want? There are four guys that come up most often. It's Terry Gordy, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and the Road Warriors. And just tough as nails. Ming is also usually thrown in there. Yeah, Ming, Haku. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> so Miranda, let's talk a little bit about the Freebirds because um, obviously an iconic and revolutionary team. I mean, from, from my money, the Freebirds were mo- one of the most important teams in the history of professional wrestling because they started the formula for a successful faction. I mean, they had the look, they had the power, they had the wrestling skill. Um, what made, and of course, oh, Bad Street USA which is one of my personal favorite songs. I mean, they were like kicked off this whole rock and wrestling thing. A lot of wrestlers didn't have intro music until Bad Street USA came came on board. So what made them so awesome and also those battles with the Von Erics? I mean, what just 
made them so special with that feud? Well, I, you know, like every story of the good guy, which the Von Eriks were the good guys, you have to have a bad guy. Mm. And when the Freebirds came to Dallas, they were the bad, the bad guy, you know, because they they uh, had a few with the Von Eriks, which everybody in Texas loved. They, they were the big heroes. And so I think, you know, because the Freebirds were such good bad guys, it made the Von Erichs just that much more of heroes. And that's yeah. what made it so big. Like the Freebirds did their job so well, you know, and uh, like you, like we've said a couple of times now, uh, uh, the Freebirds did a lot of historic stuff. They had the, the Bad Street USA, you know, <laughs> which is my, my entrance music. Um, I couldn't get away from that. Uh, <laughs> well, which is awesome, by the way. It's a great song. Yeah, and uh, they they just did a lot of historic stuff, a lot of firsts. So and they they set the bar, and that some of their stuff is still used today, like uh, the Freebird Rule, mm-hmm. you know, where uh, you know it doesn't matter who who is anyone can take the the pin. Right. Well, I know those matches with the Von Erics. I mean, I, I got started in world class by watching them on ESPN. I mean, those matches with the Von Erichs were just amazing. I mean, great wrestling. Those crowds got into it. And like you said, I mean, the Freebirds knew how to to stir the pot with the Von Erichs. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of my favorite times was, uh, I think it was Buddy and Michael were taking on, I can't remember which two Von Erichs, and they were in a, a match. Of course, it was for all the marbles, and they'd already uh, built it up so long or whatever. And I'm like, man, I didn't catch on to WCCW until ESPN started airing it in the uh, mid to late 80s. But I'll never forget that uh, Michael and Buddy were losing. And, of course, the referee got distracted, and and Terry rolled in the ring and uh, DDT'd one of them and rolled out before the referee could see them. (laughs) And the Freebirds upset the Von Erics. I absolutely loved that moment. That, That moment has stuck with me for almost 30 years now, so uh, or 35 years almost, so... I just loved how they would always pull that. They always had the third man in there. Well, one thing, right. the, the way that feud kicked off, I mean, originally when um, the Freebirds came in, they were they were kind of faces. I mean, Michael Hayes and Gordy and Buddy were, were pretty popular as friends of the Von Erichs. And I think David Von Erich is the one who brought them in um, when he'd wrestled with them in Florida. But, of course, there was a Christmas night match with Kerry Von Erich and Ric Flair for the NWA Championship, and – that Michael Hayes was a special guest referee and, you know, Flair and Hayes got into a little bit of a scuffle and Hayes knocked him out and tried to get Kerry to cover. And of course, Kerry being the, the, the good boy, um, you know, face did not want to cover and win that way by, by cheating. And so anyway, somehow Kerry ended up pushing Michael Hayes out of the, the cage. And then he tried to get out and Terry slammed the cage door on Kerry's face and uh, then Kerry ended up getting pinned by Ric Flair, and the fans went irate. But the funny thing that after that, they had an interview on World Class where, like, I think it was Bill Mercer was the announcer, and he went into the Freebirds' den, and they were asking Terry about it, and he said, my job was to make sure nobody got out of the cage. He was trying to get out of the cage. I was just doing my job. He's <laughs> yeah. like, if those people don't like it, then that's their problem. Right. So obviously a ma- yeah. an amazing feud. 
Um, and what was funny is a lot of times I was rooting. I'm a huge Von Erich fan, especially Carrie Von Erich. But I was rooting for the Freebirds a lot of times because, frankly, I just got kind of tired of the Von Erichs crying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Freebirds, actually, I was going to make this statement earlier. They were one of the first teams that made it cool to be bad. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that they they were like the rock and rollers, and they really brought that, you know. And and everybody's tried to emulate it since. Yeah. So they yeah they were they were good at being bad. <laughs> yep, they were one of the first heel teams that I truly really loved. Yeah. So, um, Miranda, talk about the connection that uh, Terry had with Michael Hayes and Buddy, and I guess even some degree with Jimmy Garvin, because especially I know with Michael and Buddy, they. They really were like brothers, and I know your families are close, so maybe just give some insight on that connection. Oh yeah, they they were absolutely like brothers. Like uh, they started young, you know. Obviously, my dad uh, was super young starting out, and uh, they put them together as my dad helping Michael kind of get into the business um, a little better. As Michael would put it, um, he wasn't that great technically. He could talk and he could piss people off. But uh, as far as in the ring, uh, he wasn't that great. So, uh, you know, my dad kind of looked after him and my uncle Michael looked after after my dad. And so uh, they just kind of formed this brother bond. Two young dudes trying to make it in the wrestling business and uh, – and then I ended up, uh, Buddy Roberts had to watch over both of them because they were troublemakers. And so, and, and a, a good thing that it happened because, wow, you know, all the history, obviously the, the best thing to happen. But, uh, yeah, that, that's really uh, how it got started. And, um, you know, everybody's heard the story of, uh, uh, I can't remember which company it was, but they wanted to fire Michael and my dad was having no part of it. And so... Uh, you know, Michael was sitting in the car and my dad comes out and, and looks at my uncle Michael and, uh, was like, well, where are we going? Yeah. My dad wouldn't do it. And, and ever since then they were just, you know, almost inseparable. They had, uh, like two decades, I guess, of, uh, work as the Freebirds. And, um, you know, later on my dad, when they, when all Japan got a little bigger, uh, my dad was making the trips and, and, uh, at the time, the Freebirds had had a long run and Buddy was not in good health and the, the WWF was doing their thing or the WCW was mm-hmm. doing their own thing and my dad was going to Japan. But but still, like, uh, even after all that, like, Michael's like, he's my godfather, you know, and so that's how close our families are is is they were basically, uh, you know, brothers, all of them, really. Up until you know my dad passed, and I, I mean everybody still stays in touch or whatever. But uh, yeah, that that's how close they were. Yeah, I I just always like to hear those stories because um, that story you mentioned, I think it was in Mississippi. They were working in like a territory, and Michael felt that his his payoff was short, and so he was kind of put in a position that if he didn't walk out, he was going to lose respect with the promoters and the guys. So he kind of felt like he had to make that decision. And Terry was like one of the big stars in the in the territory. So for Terry to do that, I mean, Michael was saying that was such a huge deal to him because he knew that Terry was his brother and his friend. And, you know, he didn't have to do it, but he did. And it turned into better things because I think from there, that's when they went on to Mid-South, 
with Bill Watson. He put them together as the Freebirds. So kind of yeah, interesting. exactly. Yeah, you you know the story better, and I've heard this story my whole life. <laughs> but I think you definitely know details better. Like, uh, so any any Michael Hayes story, I've only heard a million times from him. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. No, I I like that people like it, and it that is such a that is such a good story because it you know it's about loyalty and and it turned into something better yeah you know, and it was a good decision on both of their parts yeah well i, I always like hearing those kind of stories um because I'm, I'm big fans of both now going back to the instagram photos that you posted one of my favorite photos that you posted is when your dad and mom were getting married and i guess this had to be like around 85 based on ha terry's hair length but he is in the wedding with um, a cutoff shirt a pair of Wrangler blue jeans and cowboy boots, and your mom's in a white <laughs> wedding dress. <laughs> and and you posted something like, "This is just my this is my my dad, just a good old country badass, and this is my aspiration." Something like that. Oh yeah, uh, they were on the road. Um, I think it was like eighty seven. I think is when they got married. Uh, okay. So yeah, eighty seven. And they were on the road, and I think that's somewhere, some little chapel in Oklahoma is where they they just had my mom wore a dress that she had. And, like, I've only ever seen my dad in a suit and tie one time, you know. And so uh, they just decided uh, on the way to a show. On the um, way to a show. They were going to get married. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah, that's just how my dad was. Like, he wasn't, uh, I mean, he was a big dude. And so, you know, they <laughs> finding uh, something comfortable, which he didn't want to be uncomfortable anyway. And who was going to tell him otherwise? You right. know? So, like, you know, who's going to say, you can't wear that here? Um, actually, uh, funny, quick, funny story. Um, on SWE, the last time we did our taping, uh, Tim Storm was there and he was like, uh, you know, he wears the pink tights sometimes. And I'm like, oh, Tim, that's totally fine. Real men wear pink. My dad wore pink. And he's like, is that right? I'm like, yeah, who's going to tell him any different? Right. You know, <laughs> who's going to say, Terry Gordy, you can't wear pink? You know, <laughs> you can't wear cowboy boots to your wedding. You know, right. no one's going to say that. <laughs> yeah, but that's a great story. I didn't know that they got married on the way to a show. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think they had left a show and uh, were traveling and uh, my brother Ray and uh, my cousin Candace were with them. They were both young. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they were on the way to another show. So they stopped and got married and headed to the show. Wow. That is a great that story. That is a wrestling story if I've ever heard one. No question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another one of your the posts on Instagram that I really liked and posted, I think, a couple of weeks ago. There is one where – because Terry had great energy in the ring. And – you know, his passion was great on the interviews and in the ring. And I think that was like from world class and he was like upset and uh, crying. And you said you had a similar photo of you in the ring. And you said that when you were young, your mom would say, all right, uh, little Terry Gordy, if you threw a fit. Now, I know Michael always got the props for being one of the best talkers. But um, talk about your favorite matches with, um, with Terry, both in the United States and outside of the United States. My favorite match that I like to watch. 
So I grew up with, uh, you know, the all Japan stuff. Cause that's where my dad was traveling to. He was traveling to Japan, uh, when I was a kid. I mean, he was still doing stuff here like WCW and whatnot, but, uh, I remember all the Japanese stuff, like when he was teaming with Dr. Death and Stan Hansen and just, you know, doing the single stuff over there. Uh, so that's my favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite match would either be uh, one of the ones with him and Masawa or uh, Kenta Kobashi. Either one of those, and you can watch them on YouTube. And I watch them all the time. Yeah. Just because they like the energy and hearing the crowd and like uh, the one with Masawa and my brother even pointed out because we watched it together. Like the whole arena was shaking because so many people were stomping and shouting and stuff and like like it that you know like just having that sort of energy doesn't happen anymore um especially over here like because it was such a big deal and and like it was so uh i don't know just the energy of it so i think those are my favorite um as far as uh any of like the freebirds work um i mean everything Everything they did was entertaining. Obviously, uh, the the big one that a lot of people remember, I think the most historic is the um, Come As You Are match at the Texas Stadium, mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, it starts out, Michael is, you know, doing his little strut to the ring, and Bad Street's playing, and uh, you see the crowd, and it's just a full stadium, an outside arena. And then, uh, you know, the Von Eric's music hits, and... and People just pop big. And so the energy in that match as well is, is so big and it's historic. You, you see the pictures everywhere. I think that's probably my favorite. Just because of, of how how they got the crowd so into it. Yeah. You know, that that was a big thing. Well, I think Fritz Von Erich came out of retirement for that match because that was, of course, the Texas Stadium match in May of 1984 where Kerry Von Erich won the NWA World title from... Um, Ric Flair after David had yeah. passed away. The only thing I didn't like about that match is the Freebirds had to lose because I'm like, you got the Freebirds having to sell for Mike Von Erich. I mean, and then Fritz was probably you know into his fifties. I know they had to have the Von Erichs win, but I was like, man, I felt bad for the Freebirds having to sell that match. Right. But uh, but that that's part of it, you know. Yeah. That's what made it so good, though. Is that, like they. Like, they probably didn't know what they were doing, but they did know what they were doing, you know? So, at the time, they didn't probably know it was going to be so historic, but they they had them. They had people invested and, like, emotionally invested into their matches in the field. And that's what made it so great. And that's why it's some of my favorite stuff. Well, I know I've heard Michael talk in the past about, you know, the art of being a good heel and having to sell. And he said, you've got to think when you're in the ring – you're not thinking just about the match that you're in. You've got to think about the match the week down the road and then down the road and build the story. Because if the Freebirds didn't sell for the Von Eriks, then obviously the fans aren't getting what they want. But yet, when the Freebirds would win, they had to do it by some method of cheating so that the people got even more irate and would come back to see if the Von Eriks are going to get their revenge. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's... And you never know, like you're you're taking a gamble every time with the stories. Is uh, the people could end up liking you? You're trying to be the big bad heel out there, and you know you do something, and the crowd loves it, and all of a sudden, 
the the crowd's behind you and it's like oh no you know so it, you're taking a gamble with every story because it, it's all based on what the crowd will like and what emotions you want to get from the crowd and uh they did it so well and they they're such good bad guys mm-hmm. that's what that's that's uh what made them so good is they were so good at being bad and you know i think um Sometimes Buddy Roberts does not get the credit that he deserves as a heel. I thought he was a great heel. And he was also a guy that you had to have somebody who could sell for the Von Erics. And it was, I think, easier for Buddy at his size to sell as opposed to Terry, even though Terry sold quite a bit too. But I just really think Buddy doesn't always get his due, and he was great. He also oh, had a great mind. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, uh, Michael and I were talking one time, and uh, as he would say, Buddy was the most important part mm-hmm. because he just would never give the, you know, the, the face the the win. He, he would get right back up like a little troll and just <laughs> piss people off. Like, he was so good at getting heat because he wouldn't give the face any credit. You know, just get right back up like, oh, you didn't get that. Like, no, 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 you know, so... So that he was like, Buddy was the most important part. He was like the heat magnet, yeah. and he took he took all the he got beat up, which yeah. is also necessary, you know. So yeah, I was saying that he had said to me. he had a great mind for the business, from what I could tell. Buddy was just really in tune with what was needed at the time. Oh, absolutely. So um, Miranda, I want to go back to the Japan style of wrestling. Can you talk about how the wrestling business is different in Japan? in the United States and why wrestling in Japan was so appealing to your dad? Um, I think the, the styles back then now, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's not too different. Um, there are some differences for sure. As far as like the, the way the matches go and the way the fans interact, um, that, that is still the same. Uh, but as far as a lot of it is the same over here and over there. Um, but back then, uh, it was more of what people call strong style. Mm-hmm. It was less character work and more of actually beating the crap out of each other mm-hmm. uh, safely, obviously. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. It looked really rough. So, um, a lot of big dudes, you know, just big dudes, just like two gorillas going at it. <laughs> like, that's what I always envisioned. Um, and I, I think my dad just... Uh, it's different over there. They have a different culture, very big on respect and business. And, uh, I think that, you know, after, uh, many years on the road and partying and, and being a free bird, it was just a different environment to go over there, um, and do single stuff, which I'm sure was a, a big deal. He did a lot of single stuff, um, over there and, uh, the pay was great. <laughs> Yeah, that's the what I was going to ask. The schedule was very hard on him, obviously, flying and, and being gone from home uh, for weeks at a time. But uh, he had a family to provide for, and I think that's what he was looking out for. Yeah. No, I mean, gosh, you had guys like Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen that were over there for years. I mean, Stan Hansen may have had the longest career. Well, AJ Styles was over there for a long time, too. So how was – Oh, Yeah. What was it like for, because gosh, you were probably, I mean, just one or two, I mean, when he was doing all that, but um, how hard is it on the family when, you know, your 
the dads over not just in a, the United States traveling 300 days a year, but over in another country. I mean, are you guys able to go over there and visit for a while, or how did that really work? Uh, my mom would visit. Uh, I, I'm very blessed at the time I had a family, you know, two sets of grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff. Um, so at the time, my dad was making enough money. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and so we just... I had my sister, who's not that much younger than me, and then obviously my older brother. And uh, it was always a big deal. Like, I remember as a kid, like, some of my favorite stuff would be, like, going to the airport to pick him up and, you know, watching him come from the, the terminal. And uh, so that that was fun. Um, and when he was home, he was home, and he would like to relax, or we would go do fun stuff, like uh, go to theme parks, like I said earlier. And uh do all that um but at, at the same time all the dad stuff normal dad stuff he was gone a lot yeah so i guess that was the the only uh not so glamorous thing about it was he he was working and there's a lot of professions that uh you know that people are gone a lot but um i guess that would be like the only downside to it right so we mentioned his uh, singles career a little bit in Japan. Let's uh, jump over to tag team and, and really more of a like later resurgence uh, of his career, which was some of my actual favorite times uh, for Terry. So like in Japan, he teamed up with Hanson and Dr. Death, which Dr. Death was always one of my favorite wrestlers as well. What were you mentioned some of your favorite singles matches over in Japan? What were some of your uh, favorite tag matches like when he would team with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and and uh, Stan Hansen? So anything with Stan is great. Um, even their single matches uh, against each other mm -hmm. were super great. But uh, anything with Stan and anything with Bruiser Brody was also really good. Um, I even like. Uh, the stuff where my dad and Dr. Death were against each other. Like, all of them just had such good chemistry, I, probably because uh, in real life they were good friends. So uh, I think any any combination of, of any of that, because there's so many, you know, right. they, they did it several nights a week. Um, I, you can watch some on YouTube, and I have VHSs. So that there's not one in particular, but any of them are going to be good. I could... People ask me, they're like, oh, what Terry Gordy about any of them? Really? You oh, can yeah. Any, any of the, the Terry Gordy versus any of those guys. Right. They're going to be good. It, whether it's a 30-minute a match or a five-minute match, they're going to be exciting. You know, later in Terry's career, he had a run in WWF, WWE as the executioner uh, with the stable of Mankind and Paul Bear and had some matches with The Undertaker. And uh, he was doing some stuff in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Talk about some of his matches at the later stage of his career because you were getting old enough where you could 
go to more of the matches. Um, yeah, so I, it was a reason that didn't last long. Uh, what happened there? My dad went into a coma in 93 and he had some health issues. And so, uh, you know, trying to revive his career, they, uh, the WWF added him back um, and put him under a mask just to, uh, you know, to make sure that he could hang and to not, uh, you know, put any more damage on his legacy. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't last long. My dad just wasn't the same person yeah. after the health issues. And so, like, he just couldn't physically keep up. Um, but I remember. Some of the earliest stuff I remember watching, uh, as far as the WWF, um, was and the pay per view, uh, the buried alive match with the Undertaker and Mankind, and my dad coming out, and, uh, you know, helping unbury Mankind and put Undertaker in. I think is what happened. So I, I remember watching that as a little kid. And I'm like, oh, that's my dad, you know? Yeah. So uh, that. Um, and just going to the shows that I could, a lot of local shows. I did some traveling with him. Um, obviously, I was really into it as a kid. That so I felt it in my heart. Like if anything bad would happen to him, uh, it it would crush me. Uh, looking back, I'm like that's so silly. But um, as far as his later work. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people do remember him from ECW uh, just because, it, you know, they were growing up and that's what they watch. Um, he wasn't the same. He was still an athlete, but he just wasn't, uh, you know, the same Terry Gordy as like All Japan or the Freebird. Yeah. He just he just wasn't himself, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I do remember a match on YouTube I watched where he and Cactus Jack wrestled in Japan in a death match. And literally Terry was beating the fire out of cactus jack and like cactus jack had one final move and he pinned terry and then immediately terry got up and he the look on his face was like i had to sell for that and he got up and just started kicking cactus jack and beating him up but but um i i tell you what though you mentioned the fact that he had the coma 93 the fact of, of him being able to come back and wrestle at all i think is pretty amazing I agree with that. And I loved oh, some of his sure. stuff in That's... ECW. Yeah. Go ahead, Miranda. Well, that's what I always say. Just the fact that, you know, uh, coming back from a coma is one thing, you know, and, you, you know, a lot of people don't, unfortunately. And uh, to be able to not only come back as a normal, you know, abnormal functions but to also get back in the ring and it and it wasn't that long you know afterwards is what's truly amazing about it is he was still able to compete and stuff and though he wasn't the same it's still a pretty big feat mm -hmm. so when he retired um did he transition into something different because i thought he retired in 98 but you said he may have wrestled longer so I was wondering if he transitioned into like another career before he passed away or not, because sometimes um, that's a challenge for professional athletes who've been so used to doing something for so long. Uh, no, he only he he wrestled until he passed. OK, um, but that's all he ever did. So, yeah, uh, yeah he literally from 
from 13, 14 until 40 when he passed, he only ever wrestled. Yeah. So uh, well, he I... actually had one more show in Alabama. I want to say Huntsville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother and Uncle Michael and, and a couple of other big names came to watch and be a part of it. Uh, they had a huge memorial match. Uh, in place of uh, my dad was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, he he was wrestling until he passed. Yeah, well, I tell you what, um, I was in law school when he passed away, and I came home and saw the news. I was, I mean, I was in complete shock because I didn't know he had any issues and stuff. But what's interesting, I guess, um, when he passed away, he had a blood clot issue. My stepdad had the same issue come up, and I mean, luckily the doctor found it and they were able to break it up. But I mean. You know, that kind of stuff is, is more common than you think. But, uh, you know, I, I was really sad because he was one of my favorite wrestlers. But he has left an amazing legacy um, in his career. Um, I have never heard anything bad about Terry Gordy said on any of the by the wrestlers. They loved being in the ring with him. They knew they were safe with him. He was reliable. Um, he was a lot of fun to be around, all the wrestlers say. So... You know, he's really left a, a tremendous legacy that uh, I know you and your family are proud of. Oh, absolutely. He, you know, uh, I, I'm biased, but he's my favorite, uh, and I miss him every day. And uh, he's a lot of people's favorite. And like like you were just saying, I've never myself heard a bad thing about it from any other wrestler, yeah. which I think is just the, the biggest thing really to me because that that shows like his true character, mm. you know. So your dad and the Freebirds were finally ab- inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame at WrestleMania in 2016 in Dallas, and they're actually inducted by the New Day, um, which I and I thought that induction was long overdue. But you guys had a chance to go. Can you talk about that experience of going to the WWE Hall of Fame? Oh yeah that that was a it was definitely long overdue. Uh, you know, but I'm, I'm glad they waited until, uh, they were in Dallas because of the history of the free birds. Um, so I, I think that that made it that much more special. Uh, it was a really great weekend. Uh, my brother was out, obviously uncle Michael was out, uh, and I got to hang out with family and, uh, just have a good time and see my dad and family members going to the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, it, it, it was really nice and touching, and, and so uh, and well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Miranda, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Um, you've been an excellent guest. We love hearing the stories about Terry and also the exciting stuff that you're doing in your career um, with SWE Furia. I'm really excited for you, and um, I'm definitely going to check it out because once I learned more about SWE Fury. They're also on the CW network for a lot of areas. So they actually do broadcast down here and, of course, on fights. So I can check out some of your upcoming matches besides the ones I've seen on YouTube. So I guess in closing, <laughs> um, just kind of give a synopsis of what your goals are for the, let's say, the next year in your career. Um, maintain my uh, championships. I'm a uh, champion at SWE Fury. Uh, Texoma Pro in Sherman, Texas at USA Championship Wrestling out of Jackson, Tennessee, uh, which is also uh, on YouTube and certain uh, 
certain local uh, TV stations uh, maintain all of those titles as uh, well as gain to more. That's really my, my biggest goals uh, in wrestling right now. Um, and long-term goal is just make a, a living off of it, make it a career. Yeah. Well, we thank you very much for coming on the show and, you know, we're definitely going to follow your career. And again, for our fans, you can follow Miranda on Instagram at Miranda.Gordy and um, SWE Fury online at www.swefury.com. So, so there you have it, folks. A great trip down memory lane, uh, reflecting on the amazing life and career of Terry Bam Bam Gordy, who's gone but certainly not forgotten and remains one of the most respected wrestlers in the history of professional wrestling. And we also want to thank again Miranda Gordy for coming on the show, giving insight to, I mean, a lot of things that I just wasn't aware of with a different style of wrestling and how it works with in the real wrestling world. So thank you very much, Miranda, for coming on the show. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, Scott, thanks for coming on the show, as usual, to give some insight on wrestling. Absolutely, Ben. Thank you for having me again. Miranda, it was a pleasure talking with you and uh, meeting you over a podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks again, Miranda. So for all our guests, hope you enjoy the show, and we will see you on our next edition of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com. And follow us on Instagram at Ben Wilson Miami.